You're listening to the best of the Tom Bernard Show.com, brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Who, me? <laughs> well, I'd like to know if I was married to a horror piece of shit. <laughs> you could just look at her license. My. Special stripe. That was amazing. Oh my gosh. Coming by sweet corn, potatoes, onions, pickles. It's not how you use them, sir. <laughs> it's really sickening that anybody would be into radio this much. It is ungoddamn believable. I think I'm going to hell. I just realized it. Thank you, Tom. You're just delicious. <laughs> this is why I drink. We're here today with Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. Michael, what's going on? You know, we keep getting phone calls, and it's interesting because people try to handle a lot of stuff on their own, or they try to talk to the adjusters, or they wait, um, and they think maybe it'll cost them money if they talk to me. And, you know, we tell them it's free to talk to us. Um, I go through what their rights are, and, you know, we try to help them as best we can. We don't sign everyone up. Sometimes I just give them advice, and they go from there and then call us back later. But the key is is that they don't know all their rights or they're not told all their rights by the adjuster. And that's one of the things we try to make sure that they get, you know, they get that understanding uh, so they can help themselves and their families the best they can. And the number is? Is 800-770-7008. Or at the website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Brad, Sean, Bryant, Michael Bryant, thank you. Seeking justice for the injured, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast, brought to you, as always, by Bradshaw and Bryant. Kicking off the show this week, we had Frank Caliendo in studio, next on the Best of... My Sharona. She was an interesting woman, I will tell you that. Sharona? Did you ever meet Sharona? I did not. I was working at Capitol Records at the time when this song came out, and they came, and there actually was a Sharona. Had the personality yes, of a rock. Honestly, guys, you think, yeah, hey, uh, yeah. This kind of song, you never know what a Sharona might be. It could be anything. Could be anything. Could be the true. name of, you know. I thought it was like a car. Schwanz, anything. A Schwanz? My wife's doing penis humor over there. That's crazy. Uh, Frank Caliendo is with us, honey. Why don't we turn it over to him? I'm glad I was slightly turned out from, tuned out for the break stuff. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm trying to see John's face. All the things I thought you were going to say was not anywhere near the top of the list. <laughs> oh, that was thought. hilarious. Oh, that was God. good. Ladies and gentlemen, Frank uh, and I just realized, or I just realized, I asked Frank about it, but I've known Frank for 19 years now. It's unbelievable it's been that long. We're still very young. That's all I know. Yeah, I'm 45 now, and I feel every moment of it. It's the... Uh, you know, I used to get on planes, and you'd get off the plane, and you'd be like, I'm ready to live. Now I get off the plane, I'm like, I need a nap. <laughs> I Why do I need a nap plane? from went, sitting yeah. and changing? Uh, I've been feeling like that since I was like 14. So. <laughs> wow. well. Why do I not doubt that? <laughs> no, he doesn't. That's a very good point. Yes. But 45, I mean, Rodney Dangerfield didn't even kick in until he was like 65. Really? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he 65? was very angry he was, about that really? too. He was, like, uh, he was. Yeah, that he had uh, th- that he'd been overlooked for so long. I'd heard a lot, a lot of stories about that. He was, he was jaded. It yeah. was very she jaded. And uh, the thing is, if you can make, just do whatever. You know, who cares? Right? Yeah. What's the difference to be at that level? But he was a big deal for a long time. He was. Yeah. So maybe you know that's about. As, you know, people are, are only big for, what, 10, 15 years, mm-hmm. generally? He was big for a long time. So yeah. maybe he wouldn't have made it yeah, when he was You never younger. know. I could have been an action star. <laughs> Let me tell you, when I was a kid, you know. <laughs> I, uh, did you ever hear did you ever, Cesario's story about meeting him? 
Uh, I'm not sure. You know Cesario. Yeah, really Jeff. Well. Jeff Cesario's walking down the street in New York with uh, Jerry Seinfeld, and they happen upon Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> it shows how jaded he was, by the way. So <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld says, Rodney, I want to introduce you to a fine new uh, comedian. Just got in a business in town here. This is Jeff Cesario. And Rodney goes, Cesario, huh? Stick to the tumbling. <laughs> <laughs> Does sound like him. You're Italian. You should be a tumbler. <laughs> okay. But yeah, he tumbler. was an interesting guy. Yeah, I I'd never gotten the chance to meet him. So really uh, nice it, it is weird when you when you see when you meet people that you've been uh, watching your entire life. Yeah. yeah. That it can it can go well. It can be you know in the middle, and it can be really really bad <laughs> to see behind the scenes with some people. Yeah, it's, you know one thing that that is really cool though is like you know even though you were on a national TV show when I met you to watch your career you know blow up the way it did from that perspective it's really cool too though. Yeah, when you see somebody uh, you know ascend like that and you i remember somebody saying to me he's like this is like watching somebody become famous i've never seen that before and the guy but the guy also then uh you he he let me let me know later that he used to date tina fey too and then tina fey went like through the roof and everything that was a little bit later than that so it was like she was already on saturday Night live but once she started doing uh what's her name from alaska then you know that that whole thing that was one of the toughest moments for me too in show business i was supposed to be the lead guest this is a later another story but just revolves around tina fey i was supposed to be the lead guest on letterman and tina fey became available and they bumped me down to the second guest and moved tina in there which made sense she was she just started doing the sarah palin thing and it was huge but i was like this was i was really looking forward to this but the side the second part of it was well she'll bring bigger ratings than me anyway so more people might be i don't know about that oh yeah she yeah she's i mean but letterman was very political too and she they agreed i think that was before though too that was before letterman started showing as much of his cards as he did later he did a little bit but it wasn't later it became you know that's the way all late night tv is though now for the most part except for fallon's away from that a little bit because i don't think that's his natural nature Mm -hmm. but i think the branders and the everybody that's around there saying you have to do this otherwise you're going to lose because that's who's watching at that time i suppose yeah i suppose it is uh, that that's a function of it i believe it's if if it if it weren't people wouldn't be doing it colbert started going that route and then everybody else kind of followed, even mm. if they didn't want to, because that's what was working so much. Is he funny? Because I don't know. You know I Colbert, can't yeah, I think he's incredibly funny, but it's it's hard, I think, because I'm a middle-of-the-road type of person. So yeah, if somebody's yeah. not on that train, it's difficult for me to watch a lot of this stuff because I, I spent most of my career going, I don't, I'm trying to play it really safe right, here right. because that's my own personal, my own personal thing is, hey, you'll have your own uh, political thoughts. You're right. You're entitled to those. Right. And for me to tell you that you're completely wrong, unless it comes down to flat out racism or sexism, that's that's obvious, but not something that's being called racist that you're going to go, well, you kind of added two and two together to get the racist there. But if it's blatant racism, you know, you, you see somebody do something racist, you're like, or say something racist, you're like, you know, you're you're not getting your sticker today. That kind of thing. <laughs> but you hear somebody say you know, something. White people get stickers. Did you know that? <laughs> I did not know that. Yes. <laughs> if we but, go a day without saying something racist, yeah. we get a gold star. But so you don't get your sticker today. <laughs> oh! Not when you're in the room. I never get my sticker. <laughs> so, uh, but I forgot where I was going with that. But it, <laughs> I just know that stickers make everything. Everybody go off track on it. That was wonderful. Um. Yeah, but if somebody says something and somebody else ties it together to be like, well, that you said this about uh, some ethnicity, and then uh, this ethnicity yeah. also likes pizza, you're being racist. Like, no, yeah, no. you're just adding. God. Like, that's what everybody does is they take two, yeah. they'll take two different arguments that that have a couple things going on in them and make them as though they're one argument, yeah. and that's when it you're going, no, you can't. It's like it's also this. It's perspective. I always say to people, politics is a lot of this, too. When I say, you're over there, and you would say, no, I'm over here. Right. Well, we're both right. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And people are just looking at it from different ways. And again, that goes out the window when it's you know blatant. And there are people who are blatantly 
racist and sexist and stuff like that out there. But there's also humor that can be done. Like I talked about this on the podcast that I do with, with some people, Eric Griffin and uh, Ryan Davis as well. And it was like, listen, what's your tone? What's, what is, are you trying to say a group of people is lesser than you? If you are, then I have some issues. But if you're yeah. saying it in jest because there's some generalizations that we all kind of know and you're not doing it to try and downgrade somebody, that's, that can be a way of saying, hey, we're different and that's what makes it great. Yeah. That we're, yeah. Your culture does this and mine does this. Oh my gosh, we're both ridiculous. And that's that's but people won't do that anymore. It's it's got a lot to do with uh Twitter. Yeah, well, yeah, I think so. Social <laughs> oh, yeah. media. Oh yeah. yeah. Social media is just Definitely. brutal. It is. I got to be honest with you. I, I don't know if Richard Pryor would have a career today. Because I mean, mm. one of my favorite things that he said and I just thought it was hilarious because of the way he he stated it. He was talking to a guy. He was playing a guy who was drinking. I don't. It wasn't Mudbone. Maybe it was Mudbone. But he was talking about uh, Jesus. He said, "Yeah, boy, I know Jesus." I was talking to him one day, and I said, "Man, I warned him. Don't go down there effing with them Jews without no money." I mean, that's <laughs> funny. Because it's a drunken old black guy. It's fun. It's not. It's not anti-Semitic. It's not racist. It's just funny. But you can't do that anymore. I remember one point that my daughter said to me, "Is it okay to say Chinese food?" I was like, "Well, yeah, well, yeah. yeah, wow." She's oh like, "Because God. you're singling it out as Chinese," and I'm like, "Well, yeah, that's it's food that Chinese people, <laughs> yeah, created, would eat. Yeah. 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 But to them, it's just food, but right, correct, <laughs> yeah, or our food. But Oriental, but, you can't say. Anything. Well, that's because Oriental is a is describing an object or a region, like a rug or something. yeah, yeah. Uh, so, oh, so I just thought about that if if, if a if a, a an asian person was wearing a hairpiece <laughs> that's an asian person with an oriental rug wow. yeah, i was afraid to say it but it's pretty <laughs> come on that's come not on. that's <laughs> quick snaps it is it's quick so i can blame it on Kostanya. yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the, yeah I, that's like you think we'll ever you think we'll ever recover from that because right now most Stand-up people are not really all that funny. I'm talking about the new up and. I think the stuff you see on television, but I hear I, I go and see comics at the clubs because I'm going to interview them on the podcast, right, and uh, right. I go and see a little bit of their acts in the club, and everybody's way anti-PC out there. There and they set it up nicely. They really? say things. Yeah, they say the things like Eric Griffin does, and I love Eric Griffin. And he He's calls himself an, a self-hating. Um, it was something I got into talking to him about. He's called himself a self-hating liberal, and I'm like, well, it sounds like you, 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 like most of us all go. Well, that would be great if we could do this, but it's impossible because you need a law to stop it. Yeah, you know, and yeah. that's that. It's a it's a weird thing, and I th- I found him to be completely brilliant and like he, he, an amazing. You've had him in before. Oh yes, yeah, oh, he's really good guy. and super talented to the mm-hmm. point where you don't see like he can sing and he has all yeah. the stuff he can do, and I hadn't seen any of that. Just the like more monologuing type of things and uh, and some of his acting, which was very good. Mm-hmm. But to see him go into his woo woos with his singing and stuff like that, I was like, holy cow! But yeah, but yeah, I, I watch. There's I think. There's a reality, and I've heard, I talked to an older school comedian, I'll tell you who it was off the air, but uh, a person I would see, consider a genius, because I don't want to out this person. No, I understand. But he said to me that he's like, you know, a lot more comedians are way more libertarian to conservative than you think. Just look at how they're, you know, and there's a piece of me that goes too. And like I said, I'm pretty middle of the road, probably closer to libertarian-ish. Like, do whatever you want. Yeah, just don't too. make me pay for it. It's just right. that's no, the kind no, of thing. Right. So, and I don't mind paying taxes, but I pay taxes. I'm good. But just every time you raise taxes, you're raising them on me. And I want to know what, you know, I feel like I look at my taxes and go, right. I'm really paying a lot already. And um, so, uh, but this comedian said a lot more, lot more comedians out there. Are much more in that 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 reign, especially fiscally. They're like, hey, do whatever you want, but let's at least be, uh, let's at least worry and care about what we're doing with the money before we just start throwing it everywhere where people are just yes. going to waste it. Now I see this with kids, uh, like my kids, the, the, where when they go to where, at school. When we were younger, pretty much most of us. I'm not sure how old everybody's in this room, but. Uh, when I was a kid, anti-establishment was being more hippie-ish mm-hmm. and right. saving the environment sure. right. and all yeah, that right. kind of... Well, now that's what's pitched in mainstream yeah. 
media. Mm-hmm. So anti-establishment is actually kind of conservative or more uh, even more agree. conservative. Yep. So the kids and they blame it on Russian bots and stuff. I've seen that happen. Right. Like mm-hmm. no. It's they're 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 um they're fighting back right now. Rally they're at that that's the rebellion stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, and they're they re- don't like it because it's what they're being told by like, you know, Burger King and Yeah. All <laughs> corporate America's pictures and everything. Corporate America's constantly telling you everybody's right. got yep. a, Burger King has a rainbow. That think about that thirty years ago. That would not have happened. No. And, and not that there's something wrong with that happening. Mm-hmm. Just I'm telling you, when corporate America jumps on something, the kids start to look at it and go, yep. Well, they're just trying to sell me the same stuff. Right. Why I don't know what I yeah. and it could be for good reason. But as a fifteen year old kid, a fourteen year old kid, especially yeah. a, a boy, they and I the only reason I single it out between the boys and the girls is I see my daughter is and might be a testosterone issue, but I see my daughter kind of going she'll question, but she questions it nicely. My son gets mad about it. <laughs> well, he's yeah, like he's like, stop. Dad, these kids he's like he's like these kids are all so stupid. Like it's like he's like they just well, do whatever people believe. Listen to Uncle Tommy. Yeah, no, right. he's fifteen. Yeah, he's fifteen. Yeah, but fifteen-year-old boys are a little angry. But though. he's also very—I mean, he's very—he's a critical thinker and a free thinker. He's—he had a class where he said the teacher um, was talking about geography, and uh, the Great Wall of China came up or something like that, and she said, "Walls are never good." And she goes, "I don't want to be political, but walls are never good." And we're never? in Arizona, mm. and uh, and he said, "But Dad." Our houses are made of walls. Uh, <laughs> every house in in, in, exactly. in Arizona, fence. There aren't fences. There are people build cement so is brick your, walls. Is your yeah. wife really smart? My wife? Yeah. No. Well, well, who should take after that? So her family just skipped her. <laughs> no, there's, there's Here a, we. Oh, no, there's a lot of. We just had a talk the other day. I'm like, you got to start thinking. <laughs> God. No, I literally. I know somebody won't be listening. She to said. This she said. No. She said. No. She came to me and she goes, "Why? Why do the kids love you so much?" And they get mad at me all the time. I said, first of all, anytime they say something, I listen to it and don't have an immediate reaction to stop it. I say, okay, so let's think this through. Like my daughter with her broken elbow that hasn't healed, she wants to get a skateboard. So Ooh. I said. All right, so you want to get a skateboard. Is that a smart idea? And she goes, well, mom told me I can't have it. I go, I don't care what mom said. She's going to dislike me for that for a month. <laughs> but why do you want a skateboard? She goes, because I can't do anything that I want to do. All right. All right, so you can't do gymnastics with a broken elbow. She goes, but I can get on the skateboard. I said, all right. So do you think it's a good idea? She goes, probably not. I go, well, why do you want it? She goes, because I can't do anything. I go, well, you think about it more. And then I had the talk with Michelle, my wife, about uh, you know all this stuff. And then I got a text this morning. They're getting a skateboard. <laughs> so, so, so everything just went around me anyway. But, but it wasn't me. I wasn't saying get the skateboard. I was just saying let's That's think about this first. But I wasn't putting a, the kibosh on it immediately. Right. I was saying, why do you want this? What are you going to do? Do you think you can get hurt more with this? It's all a possibility. And I said, you can't, we have this constant fight. She tells the kids to pick up after themselves, but then she'll leave a plate just sitting around and uh, an empty bottle. I'm like, you cannot tell the kids clean up after yourselves if you're not doing it yourself because they don't tr- they don't believe you. Right. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the, the where did the kids learn to do drugs? Uh, I learned it from daddy. You know, it's like yeah, they see yeah. it on TV. You know, they see the dad doing it, and then it's a commercial on TV. But it's all that you, they live by what you do, not what you say. Right. Yeah. And if they you set a good you. example, oh, yeah. and they don't even know they're watching you, but then as they get more critical, as they get older, they start to watch and then use it as ammunition against you not our kids okay i have a three-year-old and she's already doing that yeah, yeah oh they and they just learn earlier now yeah it's just that you know because there's they're able to see so much more stuff in their uh the, the ipads in front of them with family situations and stuff and then like well, my kids started watching disney and you watch disney channel and it's a kids say kids rule the world on disney channel and parents are idiots yeah right. and it's yeah. uh and it's always the little girl that saves everything the oh little, yeah the little boy's yeah. usually pretty dumb but the little girl <laughs> yeah. is smarter than everybody and better than everybody that's his real life and, yeah and, there you go. and the dad's the big dumb guy and that's his real life <laughs> Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to John Madden Football. That was 
is Frank Caliendo on The Best Of. Coming up next, we had comedian actor T.J. Miller in studio talking about what fame can really cost. Next! I got, I got left in the dust. It was sad. Tom Moji. Tom that, Moji. That emoji actually had got a million downloads in the sure first did. minute, though. First minute. Yeah. Well, I mean, how Something many of those like were like a botnet? Kim Moji. But yeah, yeah you were saying, you know, the car- say, look the, how popular this app is. And the, but the Kardashians sort of were the beginning, I think, of the epidemic. Like, Paris Hilton was there. There were people that were, um, you know, kind of beginning to be famous for the sake of being famous. But the Kardashians painted this picture of... We're famous because we're famous, and we're rich because we're famous, right. and we're happy because we're famous, yeah. and we're rich. And that just is, like, so unhealthy, and it also speaks to how actually insecure and sad they are. Yes. I mean, they're just... and it, No one who's actually happy needs validation that frequently. Or is publicly being like, my life is so great. Yeah. You know, and then uh, you've got... If, if your dad is so desperate to be famous that he's like i'm gonna be a woman and i want to be the it's like that when that happened i was like this is an incredibly unhealthy environment <laughs> yeah he, it was nothing about in uh, orientation I, I i don't it think so i look him, i don't no. know i don't know i absolutely don't know but right once he beca- became a woman suddenly he was on the cover of magazines yeah. if right. you're around these women that want to be so famous and then are so famous and are just such a center of the attention, maybe you would eventually be like, what if I was a woman? I mean, that's how fucking unhealthy that world is. And I just, I kind of like, you know, Wahlberg just is very private. He just kind of is very private about it. Nice guy, though. Yeah. I've interviewed him several times. He's a really nice guy. And very genuine. Also, really, really about... all about Boston, you know, private about his religious beliefs, because he, he and right. I have never talked about that, right. but really, really giving to that community. And, I, you know, I was raised atheist, so I, I'm, I'm not involved in that or know anything about it. But you didn't turn? What's that? Usually when you're raised atheist, you become religious. Oh, of- right. That's the rebellion. <laughs> they do. The rebellion is, this all, this all is meaningful. God has a plan for me, Dad. Dad. Fuck you. You're not my real father. My real father is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Um, no, I, I, I kind of... That, that just growing up, that was just yeah. sort of what it was. And they, You know, there's a saying in my household, which is like... You know, there's atheists and there's religious people and then there are agnostics and religious people are cowards. Agnostics are just atheists in denial. And then atheists are the people that, you know, are actually kind of know what's going on. So I, I just grew up that way. I think I flirted with like Buddhism and stuff like that. My wife's a Buddhist and uh, it's just, it's not for me. You can't. It's tough to be a comedian and not take anything seriously, and then you know quietly yeah. be like Catholic or something. And no, a lot no, of my family is because at least you're wired to the mafia. Then, yeah, you're going to pick any religion. And at least, at least your uh, your church owns the most property in Manhattan <laughs> and is hiding all of that money. Very true. Actually. I, I I jokingly visited a Scientology building. Oh God! In uh, Los Angeles, almost just to kind of see what it was like, like watching a uh, you know, a, a car crash, you kind of can't keep your eyes off or something like that. But uh, then I came back and I was living with Jerry O'Connell and Rebecca Romaine at the time because I've not had a, a very bad. strange life. And, not a bad looking woman. And uh, not a bad looking woman. <laughs> not a bad looking guy. Yeah, that's, that's I ran true. into him in New true. York and they both kind of look like they're like dolls, you know? Another nice guy, by the way. Great guy, yeah, yeah. And he was quick. He's always quick. He never talks about his career. I'll say, what are you up to? He's like, oh, you know, I'm filling in for somebody at at Fox. It's fine. We'll see what happens. This has got to get picked. But anyway, how are you? How's the wife? Congratulations on the wedding. He's just so quick to be focused on you and being happy for what's going on with you. And uh, anyway, so I was was living with them and Rebecca Romaine. I said, oh, yeah, I went into the Church of Science. She goes, what did you do? What, What do you mean? Did you give them your name? And I was like, no, I gave them a fake name. She's like, you prom- I want you to promise me 
You will never go back. You will never talk to anybody who's a Scientologist. You were in it. And it was kind of scary. It just yeah. felt immediately like she knew something or had somebody who had an experience or she had an experience with Scientology that was so horrifying that she really wanted. And Jerry O'Connell called my parents and, and was like, TJ, you know, you better make sure that he never talks to you about Scientology. And it's a, this is really, really crazy. He actually he brought that up when we met up in New York because he was with his parents. But then uh, years later, I did this film called Unstoppable with uh, uh, Denzel Washington, Chris Pine. It's a great movie. Yeah, and those are good dudes. It is a really, it's a fun it's a movie. It's really good movie. That's one of the few scripts I've actually read. They, when the, the, <laughs> the press, people badmouthed me in uh, Silicon Valley, or on the show Silicon Valley, and they were like, he would show up and to a table read and not have read the script. And I was like, yeah, because I do better with a cold read. And if you read the script, you're not going to laugh hard at the jokes because you, know you already know the jokes. That? I never, ever pre read anything. Ever. Yeah. News, whatever it is, it's I want to be have a natural reaction, just what you're talking about. I, and I think that's really important. And, you know, you yeah. got these studio executives in the room, and they're judging the script by how much everybody in the room is laughing. So all of that was by design. But I also just don't really read script. I'll read a little bit of a script. But you can tell so much about what the movie is going to be like just from the cast and the concept and who the director is. Right. And... But I could not put that unstoppable script down. It was just so, no, so good. But one. like Ready Player really One, I didn't read the script for that. It was just like, they called me and they were like, Steven Spielberg wants you to do this movie called Ready Player One. And I was like, okay, yeah. And I was like, should I read the script? And they were kind of like, why? And I go, oh, okay. Because what are you going to not? So they, I'm like, okay. And then I go, when does he want me to do it? And they're like, we don't know. And I was like, okay. So when will I find out? And they're like, whenever he wants to call you. And then they called and they I went out to, they were shooting in Watford, England. And they put Kate and me up at this estate. And I said, so when am I going to be shooting? And they're like, whenever he wants. And so you just sort of sit around waiting until Steven Spielberg is like, you know what? Today I think I'll shoot the scenes with TJ Miller in them. <laughs> and then you go in and, and you shoot it. And it's, it's, it, it was really a bizarre, bizarre thing. But in that movie, Unstoppable, I met Ethan Suplee, who's a, who's a great friend of mine. And he didn't bring it up for a really long time, but then I tweeted something about Scientology and he texted me and he was like, hey man, you know, those are good people. You don't need to make fun of them. And I was like, are you a Scientologist? And he was like, yeah. Uh -oh. And it was so interesting because later, Kate and I became really good friends with him and his sister-in-law is, um, why am I blanking on her name? From California. She was in that movie California with Brad Pitt. Um, she has a, a band. I don't know. What the hell was the name of that show that Ethan Suplee was in, the TV show? He was phenomenal. Oh, I think, it, well, he was in Boy vs. World, but no, no, no. The one you're talking about is uh, My Name is Earl. My Name is Earl. Yeah. He was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Which was so yeah. great. He was phenomenal in that yeah, show. Yeah, he was so funny. He was, um, yeah. But, great show. So, and, you know, I, I didn't talk to him about a lot, but one, one day I sort of said, so what, it, what is it, what's the deal with you being... A Scientology, Juliette Lewis is, is oh, yeah. um, yep. she's great. She's so good. And, uh, and she's a Scientologist. And I said, what is the deal with you being a Scientologist? And he was like, you know what? There's a bunch of us, Leonardo DiCaprio. He's like, Leo, me, uh, Giovanna Ribisi, um, you know, a couple other people. He's like, you know, we just grew up as scientists. He's like, it's kind of like being Catholic. And I was like, well, do you go to the church anymore and he's like you know when they have family movie nights and there's advanced screenings for stuff i'll take my kids if they want to say if they want to see secret life of pets before their friends yeah we'll go we'll go to the whole thing but he's like you know and i i said do you give them 10 percent of your income and he's like i mean i don't have a manager you know he kind of, so he really sort of demystified it as like yeah. he just sort of said like this isn't this crazy, terrible cult. There, There is, I guess, maybe that aspect. But he's like, for us, it's just, 
I said, well, are your kid Scientologist? And he goes, I don't know, as much as someone's kids are Catholic who don't, you know, necessarily have really anything to do with it. I think, like, non-practicing Jews, he's like, I guess they're Scientologists. Yeah, it is really mysterious. Really yeah, but then, but then when you're up close to it, it kind of becomes not that mysterious again because we were such good friends and i wasn't gonna like stop being friends with him because he was a scientologist but and kate kind of had a conversation with brandy his wife and it was just like super chill she was kind of like we haven't had a bad experience with them so i don't know i don't know why we would bad bad mouth them was that (laughs) i would join if they give me a skipper hat like l ron had (laughs) yeah he had his own skipper hat what the hell was that all of it did he have his own like ocean liner too or yeah i mean there was all this stuff too where like he wrote so many books and all this but i i think the biggest problem with scientology is if you're born into it and your parents sort of were part of the 70s the iteration of it now from my understanding is they own a lot of drug rehab centers Mm -hmm. and they own a lot of acting schools right and so what they do is the people that come to los angeles and have either of those problems a drug problem or an acting problem uh they they sort of uh take advantage of those people so they bring them in and then you're paying rent to the landlord, which is, you know, certain apartment buildings or Scientologists. And so they're just taking a lot of money from people who maybe are very vulnerable. Right. And, you know, I'm not a fan of that. But then, like Kate was saying, she's like, I don't know, isn't that like what the Catholic Church does? Is you're like, <laughs> need to turn to somebody for, you know, Jesus is my savior. Now here's the collection plate and then you know you put you donate to the church it's like so it's it's also sort of a transaction i think the big thing is that in scientology you can't leave and but i also didn't get that sense from ethan i I didn't i didn't see at any point that he was gonna you know that he 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 kind of was like it's a take it or leave it situation we'll take it so you want to you know do that and you know he was also He's in a weird position because he's a great actor. I mean, he mm-hmm. was in American History X. He was in Blow. He's been in these epic movies, and he's incredible in them. Um, but all of his money comes in, of course, from the residuals from My Name is Earl, but also uh, um, Boy Meets World. So he, he sort of was in a weird position where it's not that he wasn't concerned with money, but that was coming in. So somebody taking 10% would be, but he was the first person to say to me, he was like, I don't want a publicist. I want, I want to have as few people working for me as possible. And slowly in Hollywood, you find that if you're really powerful, you only have a lawyer and maybe a business manager, Chris rock, Chris rock. I'm not even sure if he has a business manager, but that's just really, really smart. It's like the ultimate power is Bill Murray. Because he just yeah, has a one eight hundred number. One eight hundred number, baby. And people know that. And and he yep. kind of he really doesn't care about the the Hollywood of Hollywood. He just sort of wants to do the work. And Woody Allen is like that. I mean, I don't I don't think I'm not sure Woody Allen has a a manager, an agent. Oh, actually, he still has the same managers from when he started. But he kind of does most of his deals because. He just doesn't want somebody between him and the work. And um, that's why I left to go to New York. Because I was like, I can't. I I have great friends. Great friends that are just now getting into that dangerous area where they've been in Los Angeles just long enough to start to drink the Kool-Aid and... It's about when you they're, they've got a house and the house has a pool and then the wealthier ones are going to get a boat that they'll keep. In the, and it's like this really weird version yeah. of suburbia where everyone's life is the same. Everybody cares about it. They're going to the same Emmy parties because they did – and it's pre-Oscar parties are going to be the, the – and that's why there's very few of us in New York because you get kind of sucked into there. But the only people that live in New York are like Ryan Reynolds, Jake Gyllenhaal, Claire Danes, Chris Rock, Susan Sarandon, Janine Garofalo, and that's it. 
and like Jim Gaffigan, but the, he's a comic who's right. also doing really right. good work in film and television. And that's it. There's just, there's like nobody else. And they kind of have a click like Ryan and Jake and, uh, Claire Danes and a couple of, and then Chris Rock is kind of much more family oriented and he actually lives in New Jersey. And then there's people like Kate and me that just kind of, you know, Susan Sarandon lives on our block. Janine Garofalo is around the corner. We live next to John Leguizamo. He also lives there. But we they're kind of doing their own thing. Like, Leguizamo is very nice to me, but he, he's also kind of like, I don't want to be friends with my fucking neighbor. You know, yeah, that's, yeah. that's like just a regular neighborhood where you're yeah. like, I don't want to hang out with somebody that I see all the time coming in and out. And then Susan Sarandon is just really focused on politics. And Janine Garofalo, I think, just kind of wants to be in her apartment most of the time. So it's very interesting, though, because I, even though maybe it's some of us aren't that close, it's still, you're in New York. Keegan-Michael Key is another person that lives in New York, and but we're, we're actually really close with him and his wife, um, but they're very politically motivated, they're very New York-focused, and uh, it's just uh, most people... 99% of the people in Hollywood just get sucked into Los Angeles and Hollywood. And it's really sad to see. I have one good, really good friend. I'm not going to mention his name, but he just, you know, he had a successful television show. Uh, he wrote a great book. Um, was it Jesus? It's Jesus Christ, my <laughs> savior. Thank you. Thank you very much. Jesus actually was a Scientologist. A lot of people don't know that. <laughs> a lot of people don't know. Yeah, that's and, uh, But I, I, you know, he's found a lot of success. <laughs> And Jesus, not uh, my friend, yeah, right, right. and uh, and you know he, he's kind of gone. It's like I don't even know how to talk to him or what to talk to him about. And I think a lot of those people too. Kumail Nanjiani is a great friend of mine, uh, but I, I I think he probably is like I'm hard pressed to find common ground. <laughs> With you, because I live in Los Angeles and you live in New York, yeah, and you're a st- more of a stand-up comic than an actor, even though you've acted more than I have, and I'm more wanting to be a movie star than a stand-up comic. What do you I mean? See you, I see you as an actor who happens to be a stand-up. Well, that's what most people see me as, but I started off as a stand-up right. and an right improviser. Right but yeah, I think, look, you know, when you become actor. famous for doing film and television... Then people, I all the time, people come up to me after a show and they go, you know, I just liked you in this thing. And I, I said, all right, well, I'll come and see him. You're actually pretty funny. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, first of all, you can say you were funny. You don't have to modify it with actually pretty. Um, but it's also that they just kind of are like, they almost, some people almost make it like this thing of like, they're like kind of ashamed because they're like, I mean, I came to see you because, you know, I wanted to see you in real life. and But I just thought that this was a cash grab for you, you know? And, really? Yeah, and, and that's just not the case because I've just been doing it for so long. But I think, you know, in part I left Silicon Valley to do enough stand-up that people could be like, oh, wow, he's a stand-up comedian. Because I toured yeah. last year, I toured 51 out of 52 weeks. And then I did Scandinavia, and this year I'm doing a European tour later. But it's, I'm you know I'm really focused on kind of having people have an opportunity to see me do stand up because I've been in enough movies. I I feel like, and I've been on television enough. It's like it's enough. Now I can kind of do something where there's nobody between me and the audience. And then also, it's really really fun to be able to. Because another reason do people stay in Los Angeles. In yeah. Do you mind if I do? What do I, well, with, well, we don't really have the chairs for it, but yeah, we do. Okay. I just don't want to. You have to be on stage in about fifteen minutes. Yeah, I know, right? No, I love that. I live. I just don't want to keep you too long. That's what I'm saying. Oh no! So I, um, yeah, just to finish, there's a lot of people that can't leave Los Angeles, right? Because they have to keep auditioning, and so you have to also get to a certain level to be able to live in New York. And then it's, I feel so fortunate. Every day I wake up, I'm like, thank God I live in New York. It's incredible that I married my college sweetheart. And uh, I can't believe that I can do stand-up and then hit pause on that when a 
a great film project comes my way. I think it's wonderful. And that, that's that's the really, really lucky. And but, by the way, the reason people love your voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It only took me like an hour and a half to get it. I know. <laughs> no, no. Hey, listen. It's a rare treat to be able to sit and listen to someone like that that knows all about these things and enjoys talking about it. Most people just think, yeah, yeah, whatever. I got to go. I do get sick of my, my own voice, though. So, But why do you think? I know why. Because I have the same situation. You have three different tones in your voice. So some people, for you and me, they hear we have a high voice or a mid-range voice or a low voice. They cannot hear all three notes. Isn't that amazing? What makes your voice raspy is the fact you have three separate tones in it, like I do. Really? And, yeah. And people cannot hear all three. They might hear one or two, but not all three. Including you, by the way. You can't even hear it. And I can't. But, uh, yeah, I can hear that I consider you to have sort of a lower, gravelly voice. Right, right. I always thought it was marijuana and clove cigarettes. Well, And I thought that Americans like that cowboy (laughs) ideal. But it is true. And, you know, I guess to whit, with what you're saying, to whit, whit. um, when I I watch myself, I can't hear what other people say as such a distinct voice. That's correct. I can kind of understand that it's sort of raspy and stuff. But occasionally, Kate will sort of mention it, just like like teasing me or something like that, and it just reminds you. I mean, you know, I'm just like, oh yeah. But I had the funniest. I, t- I told this story earlier, but I had the funniest experience at a pharmacy, where I was on the phone and I was in a heated argument with Kate. I think about trapper keepers, and I was like, well, you know, you fucking, you can't be sure that. They all had Velcro. I mean, some of them had to have fucking magnets. And she was like, bullshit. They had had a magnet. They weren't a trapper keeper proper. And I was like, well, well, you really think they were off-brand trapper keepers? And she was like, there's off-brand everything, TJ. It's not a fucking, you know, of course there were off-brand trapper keepers. And I, uh, and this woman kind of kept ducking around the, she kind of just would pop into the aisle and look at me, and I'd make eye contact with her, and she'd be like, wait, go, go back in the other aisle. And then I got off the phone, and she came over, and she said, I just had the weirdest experience. And I said, what happened? She said, well, I was buying Mucinex, <laughs> and I started hearing your voice, and I thought it was one of those advertising things where you press a button, and the mascot talks oh, yeah. to you. And she goes, but I couldn't find the the device and she said and then you started saying the f word and stuff <laughs> and i was like well i don't think that the mucinex man would sort of do we saying fuck and shit and stuff she said the f word and the s word um and it's just was the weirdest thing and then i i came over and then you, you were right here on the phone and i go yeah and i go did you end up buying the mucinex and she's like no <laughs> no, you know, almost like it was too weird. I'll never buy Mucinex again. It was talking to me, man. I can't buy it. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. It's like a bad acid trip. But uh, yeah, that's how recognizable the voice. There, you know, a lot of people say, "I thought it was you," and then you start talking, yeah. and I was yep. sure it was you. Um, so yeah, it's that's the other thing that people don't realize about fame is that you can't escape it. You no, know, you it's can't. like a. It's it's it becomes part of your whole thing, and Kate always says it's like you can never take a suit made of a three piece suit made of hundred dollar bills off. You just have it on you, and people are gonna look at you and be like, "If I could just grab one of those hundreds, then I would have." That's all I need from you. Just look at you have a whole suit made of it. Just give me one of the. And the truth is that the hundred dollar bills are counterfeit. You paid for the suit, but the, the money's just fake paper. Hey, JB, would you just tell them to come on in and we'll, uh, we'll get rolling? Thank you, sir. Uh, this was, to, yeah, by the way, uh, what you were saying earlier is 100% correct that uh, unfortunately, if you're that famous, uh, everybody who contacts you wants something. Mm-hmm. And it really gets old. That really does get old. And I think at any, actually, at any level of fame, you Any do, level you doesn't do, matter. You're yeah, right. you yep, do have right. people kind of wanting something from you, and you also become a sort of social currency. So, you know, I think th- this is not the case, but let's imagine a family member 
wants you to come to their wedding. Mm-hmm. But a big part of that is because you're the their famous family. So they can say T.J. Miller was yeah, there. Right, yeah, yeah. Right. And you know, I just recently talked about being famous because I was also sort of ashamed of the idea of talking about it. I just thought there was no humility to it. But now it no, just is this great. It, it, it just is this thing, and so I'm much more open about it. And I think also I'm starting in my stand-up to realize like I have to talk about being famous. That's part of how people experience me and look at me. And uh, Kate and I just have to talk about it because for our own protection, you know, she has, she has to say, look, I don't think, you know, I, I think, I do not think that you should ever tweet about where you are because we have a stalker. I think so don't really ignore that, you know, stuff idea. like that. <laughs> it is a good idea. I mean, even in, like regionally well-known, I mean, obviously regional people are not stars. But no, but you regionally have regionally well-known. I never go out in public ever. Yeah, and when I do, I talk like this. I talk sort of like hey, this. Hey, how you doing? Nice talk. Hey, good to see hey, you. Hey, jeez. Hey, do you, could we have a table for two? Ninety-nine percent of people are nice as hell. Yeah, I think that's true. They are. But, but I think one percent is dreadful. Yeah, you get people that kind of go, "Hey, can I get a picture?" I I hate to be this guy, and I don't want to be this guy. And I'm in a, an important conversation with my wife, and. Kate will be like, then don't be that guy. We're in the middle of a conversation. And I'll be like, hey, man, I'm sorry, but I can't take a picture right now. I'm kind of in the middle of something, you know, with Kate. And they'll be like, you know what? Fuck you, man. I didn't even even know who you were. My my girlfriend made me come over here and ask for a picture. But you're fucking, you know, good luck. Yeah, sure. Really? I mean, that 1%. It's 1%. 1%. Yeah, yeah. And we we had a girl, a woman... Uh, Kate's father lives in Long Island, and we had a woman at a restaurant. She was sort of drunk, and she was like, what do you do? And I was like, I'm a comedian, but not a very good one. And she's like, well, what, do you, what do you mean? And I go, I'm a stand-up comic, and I, I do some acting also. And she's like, oh, yeah, I know some actors. And I go, okay. And it, it, was, it was very apparent that she just had no idea. And so I go... All right, well, and then we took off, and she goes, "Hey, good luck in your career." And I was like, "Thank you." Yes, I think. Yeah, I hope. I hope. She goes, "You're gonna need it, TJ." Oh my god! And it was a really weird, mean-spirited thing where she was like, "You're never going to be anything." And you do get that energy from some people. You get people that are like, "Well, you used to be funny, but now you're not." And it's like, you just have to kind of learn to be like, okay. Because, you know, the stand-up comic in me wanted to yell back, like, and good luck with your lonely, drunken, elderly phase of your life, you know, or whatever. (laughs) But I'm not going to, I don't, I don't need to do that. And she doesn't need to hear it. So I I try and kind of take it with a grain of salt. Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. Our state fair is a great state fair. Don't miss it. Don't even be late. That was T.J. Miller on the best of. Coming up next, closing out the show. We're opening up the... All the way back to episode 355 with Pat Croft. Be late dollars to donuts that our state fair is the best state fair in our state <laughs> well we do ladies and gentlemen have the lovely and talented greek himself kostaki economopolis kostaki hey guys the we greek have, is chic we have the greek yes <laughs> we have pat proft in studio with us do you know pat at all i don't know if i know pat what's up man pat wrote every funny movie ever written <laughs> so there Wow. <laughs> I'll take that, bastard. You don't know nothing. <laughs> now he wrote some of the great movies, and uh, we tried to go down the list, and it just got too long and it got boring. Hey, Kostaki, <laughs> do you like Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> Snap, Andy. Stab Pat right in the back. I feel like I'm not in on this joke. No, yeah, you're not. <laughs> and you're lucky, man. <laughs> it's all, oh. oh, no, it's... Uh, Pat, uh, Pat and the Zucker, a couple of the Zucker brothers. How many Zucker brothers are there? Pat? There's two, two, and there's Jim Abrams. 
I thought there was another Zucker because there's Zucker, Zucker. Oh, there's a Zucker, Zucker. who produces television stuff, but they, uh, like The Good Wife and things like that. But it's not yeah, the same Zucker. It's not the same Zucker. Oh, no. Okay. And Anthony Zucker was the CSI guy. And Tim Zucker is somebody too. I know Tim Zucker. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> I'd uh, say something here, but my wife and daughter. I, 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 I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. I stopped. There is a cause, isn't there? A what? Cos. Like Cosby, but it's short and Cos? I think so. Cos sucker, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> was, oh, John, God. when you have to explain was, the joke. No, I was getting it. I had it. to explain it because it was no. <laughs> Pat's face. I was trying to backpedal. <laughs> don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. I, I have no idea what you're talking about. You should do the news, for God's sake, man. Has Alex put the flaps down on her Yukon helmet? <laughs> or is she not wearing it today? Her trapper hat. Oh, no, she, I'm not she's wearing okay it. with that. You're not, not wearing your trapper hat. It's like forty enough. degrees. Not we, have not said, we have not said tits yeah. yet. So <laughs> <laughs> the ones with nipples, Don. <laughs> of God. Pat, Pat and uh, Kostaki, you probably don't know this, but Alex hates those two words. You can say oh, anything else in front of her, but those two words. Oh, I didn't know that. That's very convenient for me to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for you got weapons. Everyone. For that first date, I think it'd be good thing not to know. <laughs> so if you have any jokes about Tom Brady that include nipples and tits, don't, oh my don't say that. I'm never okay. coming back here again. <laughs> not with those tits. <laughs> oh, man. Why am I here? <laughs> Why am I here? Kostaki with quick snaps, ladies and gentlemen. I thought the games were not all that good this weekend. Kostaki I agree. Last week's games were way better. Yeah, not good games this weekend. And thank you guys for lowering the bar on adolescent comedy, usually. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Welcome to my career. For doing uh, <laughs> the Seahawks and their Percy Hurts kind of jokes. But uh, no, oh. no problem. Oh, I like it. They're Percy Hurts. They're I like Percy it. Percy Hurts. Percy Harvin missed the season with an injury, and then he got re-injured with a concussion on the first game back. The Seahawks are hopeful Harvin will come back next week and get injured again. You know, you know, did did you usual. see that hit, though? Yes. Holy okay. Christ, did Bush smoke him? Yeah, right. Oh, man. Yeah, that, that guy, that, he's had so many issues. Uh, the last yeah. football player with that many ridiculous injuries was O.J. Simpson in the Naked Gun movies. Oh, oh, what a coincidence! What a coincidence! Unbelievable! Pat Guess who Stark. wrote that movie? Pat Rock wrote, wrote the movie. Like, what the hell? That is fabulous. This is all coming together. Kostaki's like, I wrote some gold there. Kostaki, that is the greatest. Pat was one of the writers of Naked That's great. Isn't that hilarious? We did you. We were almost were witnesses at the trial. Really? Yeah, really? Yeah. How did that happen? Yeah, because he supposedly was this arthritic man who couldn't do anything, and he was doing his own stunts. And so, oh, right. So we got because I was there the day he flipped himself over a bar and did all that kind of stuff. So anyway, I interjected myself once again. I'm terribly sorry. No, 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 you didn't. Because what happened was Kostaki. The judge said, "Isn't that that asshole that wrote that Star Wars TV show?" <laughs> We're not bringing him in here. <laughs> he has no credibility. Kostaki, I think that's, you know, uh, this is where it was, it was called synchronicity. Yeah, that's uh, crazy. I haven't done a naked gun reference all season. <laughs> that is amazing. And you, the, it's hilarious. That is so great. three months. <laughs> and I'm writing a football movie. This is incredible. <laughs> There's this tall six foot five Greek guy. Uh, no, actually, Kostaki, how tall are you? Uh, six one plus hair. You know. Six one, my ass. You're a lot taller than that, aren't you? No, I'm not. I'm just uh, delightfully imposing. I always, <laughs> I'm delightfully imposing. Yes. <laughs> Me too. Oh God. I that... agree with your premise, though, Tom. The games were, you know, there were some, they were fine, but the last week they were great. Uh, but yeah, this week the Broncos beat the Chargers in the first half. The Chargers' total net passing yards one. <laughs> one, one? One yard, or as Tim Tebow calls it, a damn good half. <laughs> one, not bad. Praise Jesus. <laughs> Praise Jesus. <laughs> Tebow, by the way, had a strong debut as a college football analyst. He did really well. Did he? Broadcasting. It's, it's weird. He's good at something that goes through the air. Very strange. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. Then he tried to throw it back to the studio. Completely missed. <laughs>
Man Side Tail left the game with a concussion. How do you test that guy when he already sees things that aren't there? Yeah, good point. <laughs> How many lies am I holding up? All right. <laughs> Philip Rivers, his country, I forget this about him. His post-game interview, he was literally in a sleeveless shirt with a really thick southern accent. It was like Philip the Cable Guy. <laughs> I like that. And then, he, <laughs> and then he said, we just couldn't get her done. No. No, oh, you're gonna go. Actually, I gotta. I do have to give Larry the Cable Guy a little nod here. Why? Because he had a great joke. Oh, he has great jokes. Kim Jong Un <laughs> fed his uncle to the dogs. He said, "That's kind of ironic. Dogs eating Korean." No, <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty good line. That is a good one. <laughs> my, my favorite of the uh, Cable Guy's lines is he said, "I get stopped by a police officer and." Uh, he said, are you drunk? And I said, why, is there a fat chick in my back? Larry, <laughs> 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 right there. Larry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> 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 All right. Damn it. Uh, the Broncos. A lot of ground game stuff that in on teams where you didn't expect it. Right. Uh, Peyton, one point, Peyton Manning was out there with a tiller, probably just to get an endorsement deal with John Deere. Uh, <laughs> well, he's got a few. He's got a few. It was, was windy. In... It was hard to see because of all of Peyton's Papa John's checks blowing around all over the place. <laughs> was that unbelievable? <laughs> there are a lot of Papa John's. Out. Oh, my goodness. And got Papa John moonwalking now, which that's what we needed. <laughs> I and want it... him for my next film. Yes. <laughs> get that guy. Papa right John now. Man. And if you watch the game, you saw him yell the word Omaha a million times. Right. Is that just to throw everybody off? Is Omaha Southern for red herring? Is that what he's doing? <laughs> I think so. Think how much Peyton could bank if he just added the word stakes. That's <laughs> right. He could get endorsement Omaha money. <laughs> or put mutual love before. He could probably get both ends of that. Mutual love. <laughs> Omaha. Stakes. <laughs> What was that guy's name? The Mutual of Omaha Show. Have the animals oh, uh, on it? Marlon oh. Perkins. Marlon yeah. Perkins. 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 Absolutely. From the Chicago Zoo. You're damn right. All of the audibles should be sponsors, right? He says no, stuff but... all the time. Pizza Hut, Hut. <laughs> oh, God. Easy to dial it in. Seahawks beat the Saints. It was raining in Seattle. How cliche. The Saints struggled early. Um, no surprise, the team from New Orleans would be a little nervous in a rainstorm. If that's an issue. <laughs> yes. The Saints offense really only worked in spurts, sort of like my brother-in-law. You know, now and again, they were working. <laughs> Don't use the word spurt and brother-in-law. <laughs> just Maybe like, not a good word. I no. <laughs> How about point. fits and starts? <laughs> that's better. Let's go with that. It's better. Uh, Seattle's so good at home, the 12th man is considering a holdout. <laughs> God, I'm sick of that. Oh, I'm so sick of that 12th man thing. That's a lot of buzz there, yeah. Oh, uh, and they stopped tight end superstar uh, Jimmy Graham, was held to eight yards. Mm -hmm. Poor Jimmy. Jimmy Hoffa had more yards at his own funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Hoffa is in more yards. Eight, not a big number. Uh, so, yeah, the Percy Harvin injuries, and then the Niners beat the Panthers. The Niners advanced to their third straight championship game. Harbaugh, the only coach to reach that game in all of his first three seasons. Amazing. Which is a cool stat, but I'd like to see him try to peddle that at Thanksgiving dinner against his brother who beat him in the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's cute. How about the fact that his grandpa died on Sunday morning? Is that true? Yeah. I missed that. Yeah, the guy that's in the, in the picture with the family, that little tiny guy that's standing in the middle of the Harbaugh's, that's his grandfather. He, I think he was like 98 years old. Oh, wow. Died, died suddenly at 98? Died suddenly at 98 on Sunday morning, and it was really nice because Harbaugh said uh, he loved everyone and everyone lo or no, he loved everything and everyone loved him. That's what he said. That's very cool. touching. Very touching. I wish I knew the real story of the Harbaugh brothers. They seem like they're competitive pricks, but that, that might, <laughs> yes, they do. Right? That, that might not be yes. fair. Especially the the 49er one seems like a real pain in the ass. But yes. you know, sometimes perception isn't reality. I wonder which way that goes. That's I don't very know. Very true. No, you're right. Um, and going into the season, I think we all agreed the Niners, the Seahawks, and the Falcons were the big Super Bowl contenders from the NFC. Mm -hmm. well, Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> well, and just has, so happens, by the way, Pat, that Kasaki's from Atlanta. Uh -huh. so, yeah. yeah, it's been a tough year. 
<laughs> it's been a tough year. The, the Falcons were so disappointing this season, they had to pay a commission to Godfather 3. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Pat wrote that. Did you write that? <laughs> that would be funny, but for the wrong reason. Uh, exactly. The Patriots beat the Colts uh, with a blunt instrument. LeGarrette Blunt. 24 yeah. carries, 166 yards, four touchdowns. Jesus. Odd, because usually when you have a blunt, you pass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Drug reference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and okay. a, a sports and a drug reference. <laughs> Andy knows nothing about either. This week. The blunt hit them. So. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Bill Belichick said the key to coaching is enjoying what you do. Bill, you enjoy what you do? Tell your face. Honest to God, he looks miserable. He always looks miserable. Imagine <laughs> if he was miserable. What was the name of that movie, The Road, I think it was? Yes. Because he he's always got his hood up. He looks like he's in that movie, The Road. He, I'm just, the world's I'm be ended. haunted by that image. You put that in my head, it's going to stay there. Oh, my That's the God. perfect way to describe that it's guy. true. That is the most joyless book ever. Oh, God, one yes. moment where they skip rocks and do something happy? <laughs> no, there'll be none of that. So uh, joyless is the perfect word for that. Yes. Uh, so luck versus Brady. Well, at least the better beard one. What is... What That's is, gone now. Andrew, it's gone. I saw that clip Andrew, today. Yeah, awesome. Andrew cut his beard. It's crazy. Otherwise, you'd have to audition for ZZ Top or something. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it would become a... Like a he could become a moil. I'm at the Andrew Luck. You go to Menards. There's that uh, yes. the, the area there. We got the, <laughs> now the Menards. Supplies. Oil supplies. <laughs> Cut on the bias. No one has ever said oil and Menards in the <laughs> No, they have. Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. Now, Pat, I should uh, let you know one yeah. of the great things about Kostaki Economopolis and Quick Snaps is he's <laughs> the only guy out there that tells you. The big finish is coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Omaha, Omaha, Omaha. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, we got two more jokes. See? Uh, see? Okay, <laughs> good. All right. Bruno Mars is going to be the uh, halftime entertainment. Why couldn't they get someone a little more masculine, like Madonna? <laughs> have you seen her arms lately? Oh, yeah. God, they're terrifying. Nasty. It looks like that body works. Display. Yes, it Ugh. does. A plastinization or yeah. whatever that's called. It's right. oh, nasty. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, with the big finish. <laughs> the big finish. The Lions interviewed former Texans coach uh, Gary Kubiak. Oh, Gary. That sounds like the Lions to me. <laughs> Let's talk to the guy who falls down and comes in last. <laughs> oh, that is the Lions. Let's consider him to be the leader of our team. Isn't Wizen Hunt going to take that job? It looks like Wizen Hunt, yeah. And we're going to get Zimmer, it looks like. Is that right? Zimmer? No, I think that's right. Zimmer, the defensive coordinator of the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm, is that good? Oh, that's exciting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we don't want anybody that wins. <laughs> you know, it was interesting in the newspaper uh, today or yesterday, they finally tumbled, the sports writers finally tumbled to the conversation we were having three weeks ago about Jack Del Rio being the finally choice. Yeah, the proper choice for the coach of the Vikings. And uh, and there was a story, finally, a story yesterday. What did they say about Studwell? Anything? No, but I, I would if they're listening to the, your program, then I would imagine they'll uh, – <coughs> Three weeks from now, they'll mention that Studwell should take uh, Spielman's position. They should, I'm telling you, it should happen. It'd Is Jack Del Rio a good coach? Well, he, he won three of the games, that uh, three of four, that he substituted. Yeah, but that's, I mean, you just handed him the keys to a Ferrari and you don't crash it, right. really, right? You don't tell Paul Walker. <laughs> Too soon for that reference. I'm sorry, I like Paul Walker. I didn't mean that Paul Walker. In a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Del Rio, he coached the Jaguars. Yeah. And now he's the defensive coordinator of a team that is famously has a terrible defense, right? Well, not great. Sounds perfect to me. <laughs> <laughs> the Jacksonville Jaguars owned by like the Sultan of Brunei now or something? Something like that, yeah, yeah. Really? The, 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 the imam of uh, something. <laughs> of something. Yeah, yeah. It's recalled like a fatwa. I think one of, the, one of the groups fighting in Syria, I think, owns the team now. Oh. <laughs> and they hate the Patriots. <laughs> and they hate the Patriots. Yeah. yeah. Very true. 
All right, young man. Well, thank you, guys. You are the best of the best. I think it was so wonderful yeah. that you came on and did Funny. a naked gun joke. Well, that, that was my day. Yeah, that's I incredible. Can, I can back into some dumb luck once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Kostaki, we'll talk to you again next week, sir. You guys are great. Go Niners and Seahawks, I think. Or somebody. <laughs> Who cares? Go <laughs> <laughs> nice way to put your heart into that one, Kostaki. That was great. Go was football. <laughs> yes, go football. Game. I'm mostly rooting for Peyton Manning. I want him to beat Tom Brady. He's the better quarterback, and he's got a terrible heads-up record against well, him. Well, Tom Brady, unfortunately, is, he doesn't have any money, and he's really homely. And he's I, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Son of a bitch, I hate him. I just want to hate him because he's Tom Brady, because he's got everything. Right. Everything. That's probably not true, but that's the perception. That's a good. What doesn't he have other than? I was going to go back to the candy reference, but that it scared Kostaki like there's no tomorrow. (laughs) You You have to go backwards a little bit to get that one. You would. (laughs) Now we'll see if Kostaki remembers this because Kostaki's not that old. Mm. You remember a diet candy uh, that went out of production in 1986? Diet candy? It was a chocolate candy, individually wrapped, and people used to take it to lose weight, and it made them lose weight. Like oh, men. I know this. I know this answer. It is AIDS. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Very good. That's real. Sponsoring the Tom. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we'll take it. <laughs> That's nice. Sometimes your name gets ruined by another thing that happens. Right. Oh, it's just sad. Or if you can buy AIDS on, on, on uh, eBay. What if there's any, any old boxes of it? Andy's <laughs> on it right now. No, I'm sure Andy's already bought some. It's probably a collector's item now. Yeah, the box itself would be amazing. How would you like some 27-year-old candy? <laughs> 27-year-old AIDS. <laughs> yeah, because I've never heard of it being rebranded or anything. Yeah, I don't think anybody wants that brand. I'm pretty sure. No, I mean... The, uh, the candy still doesn't exist under some other That's name. That's true. You'd think they would do, like, Value Jet and just make it a yeah. different thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Value Jet. Yeah, if it right? works. Or yeah, lobby and, and get age changed to something else. Just, you know, just, <laughs> yeah. just get rid Because after thinking about it, a neighborhood Hilarious. friend of ours. I've got all these boxes. <laughs> there is a new candy called pancreatic cancer. I wonder if that's it. <laughs> Fresh with the name pancreatic cancer on the box. Because you'll lose weight. I'm Don Shelby. <laughs> Spokesperson. Kostaki wants to leave and he can't. I know. They're hilarious. He's got things to do. Kostaki, we'll look forward to next week, sir. Thank you, guys. Thanks Bye. very much, Kostaki Go football. Omaha, Omaha. Good one, Alex. Yeah. Down, isn't OJ asking for a pardon now? He yes. is because he said he's dying. You guys have talked about this, obviously. No, but they, no we have do, not. He thinks he has a tumor, right? Is, a brain tumor or something. He, yes, that's correct. Do How the do you doctors? think you have yeah. I, But do you think there'll be a bedside confession? Oh, do, do, you think, no. do you think he's building no. up to something? No. no. Yes. Too, he would never be good to do that. Uh, yeah. No, oh. never. Uh-uh. I don't think he would. I don't know. I it's, like it. That would be interesting. Mean, what do you mean he, think, you think, he thinks he has a brain tumor? Every time I have a headache or a twinge, I think I have one. So what does that mean? Anybody, have, now I think I have one, just because you said that. <laughs> well, this episode was as calorically packed as an order of cheese curds with gravy on top. On yet another deep-fried episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast with great clips from Frank Caliendo, TJ Miller, and Pat Proft. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next week.